Welcome to the Yams and Yuka podcast, where we explore the fabric of Black identities through culture, food, art, life experiences, and more, sharing the stories of international creatives. With the show, we hope to connect with fellow creatives from across the African diaspora, amplify their voices, and create a tapestry of interconnected experiences. First, let us introduce ourselves. I am Kamara. I grew up in, in Sydney, Australia, and now I also live in London. And I'm a dance artist, teacher, choreographer, and I'm the artistic director of Artistry Youth Dance. Hi, everyone. I'm Heather Benson, originally from Atlanta, Georgia in the States, and now living in London, England. I'm a dance artist, lecturer, and creative producer. Let's see what's on the menu for today. So, welcome to the table, Heather. Yes, I'm happy to be here. Yes, it's nice for us to be together once again. So today, I think we should look at the topic of being authentic or authenticity and being grounded in your roots. Firstly, what does that mean to you? What comes to mind when you think of authenticity? Um, When I think of authenticity, I'm, you know, the cliche phrase is being true to yourself. Mm-hmm being who you are specifically with my work or with my craft it's about delivering if I'm performing it's about you know delivering a true experience from my perspective and really conveying a message or a feeling or a story and it being readable and believable to the audience Mm -hmm. that's for me what authenticity is and then when it comes to, you know, doing my project management work or teaching, it's about really diving into the project or um, really focusing in on a student and really taking the time to deliver a project with diligence. And that feels like it is connected to who I really am. And, and that's not to say I'm connected to all of my projects, but typically I don't engage with something if it doesn't feel right mm-hmm. for me. Yes. What about you? Uh, Yes, I would agree with the elements of what you've said, like being true to yourself, uh, which is something, you know, you you learn over time once you get to know yourself and what your values are and what your morals are. And as you said, working with things that align to those align to those values, I think definitely, you know, when I was younger, I just kind of did anything. I didn't really filter too much. I just took yeah. work that was that was work. Uh, but now I think I'd be a lot more, I evaluate a lot more and don't put my time towards things that I, I, I don't support the values of. So, mm. so yeah, so it is something I'm definitely still learning how to be my truest self because, it, yeah, I find it a challenge. I find it a challenge to always be completely open and honest in every single situation and every single interaction I think we have different versions of ourselves. what I know I do anyway so so yes but I think it's just about knowing your values and that is something I'm just continuing to learn and continuing to be aware of and continuing to ensure that the people that I work with also align with those same values so that's what it means to me yeah you said something about not always being able to be, would you say, honest or mm-hmm. do you ever check yourself when you're in those moments? Or is it like 
It's something you think about after the fact. Sometimes it's something you think after the fact, you know, especially if maybe you agreed to do a project or something, Mm. you know, and then you're like, I shouldn't have done this. So now I am learning more. First of all, it's okay to say no to something at any point during the process. Again, something I'm still learning to fully do, uh, but just reminding myself that it is okay to say no at any point during the process, even if you've already started with something. Mm. It affects your mental health at the end of the day as well. Yeah, if you're doing something that that you uh, that you can't fully get behind, and then you can't give it your best, you can't give it your best work anyway. Yeah. So that that's what I mean by sometimes things are not necessarily what you thought it was going to be originally or you you thought that you were able to take on something else when really you you couldn't or you shouldn't have so I think that so that's what I mean by being honest I guess it's being honest with myself really mm, yeah I'm not always being honest with other people being honest with myself is this something that I really want to do is this something that aligns with my values? Is this something I have the capacity to to fully engage with, to give it 100%? Yeah. Yeah. I know when I find myself in situations where I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hearing about a project and it sounds good on paper or, you know, it's like, oh, I would definitely like to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. I, I always have to gut check myself because I have to have that feeling of like deep passion towards it because I think with my entire dance career that's how i've moved right. and i've instinctively like given into what feeds my passion mm-hmm. and part of that is me feeling grounded in myself and knowing who i am in order to really identify that i'm doing something authentic i know that for me in the last 6 years i've been in a new space so it's been really hard to there have been times where I felt like really assured that I'm really grounded in what I'm supposed to do and I'm being myself. And then I've recently, and I would say the last probably three years, I felt really like my ground has been shaken a bit and I'm just not, I'm not always sure that I'm doing the right thing. Cause I just, I think for the good first bit of my life up until about probably three years ago, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Like detailed to the T I'm going to do X, Y, Z, one, two, three, you know what I mean? I had it all laid out and then I made a decision to move without a plan Mm -hmm. just to go with life and not be so rigid. Mm -hmm. And I've just not felt like on a solid ground as far as what I've done, but not to say I haven't enjoyed everything and not to say that I haven't made right decisions. It's just, it feels different Mm -hmm. than how I've moved in, in the past. And do you know what it is that has caused that lack of certainty? Like, was there something that happened three years ago that made you feel less stable? Maybe because uh, my child is three. That would make sense. Right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what happened in your life three years three ago? Three years ago, I had a baby. Mm. <laughs> okay. Okay. That might do That it. makes sense. Yes. <laughs> That will definitely turn your life upside down. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So. That makes sense. Yeah, I guess it's that. Like, you know, a whole new part of my identity and how I make decisions. Definitely. Right. Is 
year because I've had a child. And it will do that. I mean, we've talked to some guests who have talked about, you know, that being a pivotal moment in their life. Absolutely, yes. Reroute themselves. Yes. So for sure, I guess, yeah. Uh, And it's so odd because um, I told my, when I talked to like my closest, closest friends who've known me for a very, very long time, you know, when we talk about things, nine times out of 10, we're talking about work. Right. And it's because that has been a huge, like, identifier for me. Mm-hmm. That's where I felt really, really grounded. So I think, yeah, having a child has really just shifted all of that. And so, I get, yeah, that makes sense why I wouldn't feel so, so much as grounded as I used to be because, you know, my identifier has completely changed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I guess your decision making is no yeah, longer absolutely. just about you. No, it's not. Because honestly, like, you know, I've seen jobs, teaching jobs that have come up and it's like, yeah, go, go teach in Italy for a couple of years or go (laughs) move to Greece. And I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. But it's like, I can't, you know what I mean? If I had to seen that, that job, I would have done it in a heartbeat. Right. Three, three, four years ago. But I, and I think that's probably it. It's like, I, that's usually how I move is I see something and I'm like, yes, I want, that's something I want to do. And I move right. and I'm not as calculated or I've been calculated, but I guess I haven't had to, to count for certain factors, like um, looking after a child. And now I have to be so super strategic, which is a strength. It d- definitely helps me and how I do my, my work, mm-hmm. having a more strategic outlook on things, but it feels different. So how do you stay grounded then? I find new ways. I think, I think it's always evolving. And I think, especially because I'm not living in a place that is my home, it's difficult. I didn't feel, I guess when I first moved here, I still felt okay because I had work and school and my passions to ground me and to make me feel like myself. And it was kind of okay that I wasn't around my friends and family. But now I think because I've added to my family and I don't have them around, that's why I'm like reaching back for home a lot more. So in the last couple of years, I've gotten a lot closer to my friends um, and my family from back home. And I do try to get home at least once a year, sometimes twice a year. I try to find the things that feel like me or rediscover or discover new things that will feel more like me um, or make me feel or feed that passion. But yeah, I think it's ever evolving because I'm having to juggle as well so much in my time. So to be able to feed that and keep myself grounded is, it takes a lot more work now right. than it used to. Mm-hmm. What about you? Uh, for me, I guess it's just uh, my family probably because I do have my yeah. immediate family here. So that's quite important for me. And just remembering the things that I enjoy doing, which is theater, you know, going to the theater, mm. and just having those things, things that you enjoy, eating nice food, simple things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah again it's hard to remember to engage in that or connect with those things regularly Mm. but yes that is what kind of brings me back and helps me to to breathe I guess is is the thing so yes that is it for me 
So it would be good to hear we will be welcoming a guest today to the table and to hear what they have to say. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a short break and we will be right back. Welcome back. It's time for us to introduce our guest for today's meal. We have Mercy Nabiria joining us. Before she comes to the virtual table, I'll share a little bit about her. Mercy is a consultant for African Diaspora Arts, and through her company, Karma Arts, she works with individuals and organizations to connect communities globally, raise profiles, practice, and awareness of these diverse arts. She's a fellow of the Windsor Leadership, as well as the Royal Society for the Encouragement of the Arts. She serves as a trustee on several boards in the UK, USA, and Africa. She's currently working with One Dance UK, Royal Borough of Greenwich, and more. Prior leadership roles include finance manager for Apples and Snakes, a literary and performance poetry organisation, operations manager for Arts Council England, Creative Partnerships Kent Schools Program, finance and co-director for Future Creatives Kent, Children and Young People's Creative Learning, Director of the Association of Dance of the African Diaspora, Head of Dance of the African Diaspora at One Dance UK. Mercy's artistic background is performing arts, film, photography, writing, dance choreography, practitioning, and a drummer. She has recently been appointed co-chair of a newly established international committee for USA-based International Association of Blacks in Dance, also known as IABD, which will share understanding, concerns, education, and address growth and development of the global representation of Blacks in Dance. Nice. Welcome, Mercy, to the table. Well, thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you here with us today. Thank you. You're welcome. So that's a lot. I feel like every time I hear your resume or your bio, I learn something <laughs> else. <laughs> I always think that I know something, that I learned something else. <laughs> well, even when I've been up and listening to it and saying, oh, is that me? Okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. I usually have that same response as well. So, mm-hmm. of course, Mercy and I, we've worked together in a few of those roles and things that you've done over the past few years. Before we jump into more about your career, we just want to know more about you. So Mm. first, let's start with where is home? You know, each year that question becomes complex for me. And I will answer this using the rule of locality and say that I'm a local of London, the Mm -hmm. the city I live in now and have been for over 30 years. I'm a local of Kampala, where I was born and raised and part educated and where I go to nearly every year. I can also say that I'm a local of Indiana and Toronto, where I frequently travel to work or for leisure and family. So home is global. It's that global experience where where I feel at home and can identify with in many ways, I suppose. Nice. That's really good. Mm. And so with all of these many homes, <laughs> what are, <laughs> I guess you don't have one favorite food, but what what are some of your favorite foods from oh, home? I do have a favorite food um, where, and wherever I am, I have to find it. But anyway, I have a few, but what this platform, your platform, Yams and Yuka, reminds me of is my love for purple yam which is a it's rare in this country yeah 
and I have good memories of it because I had it a lot when I was growing up in Uganda and during our school holidays when my siblings and I got a chance to go to to live with our grandparents in the village she used to make this dish you know which was it looks like a pie and it has yam brown beans and greens and all the magic Mm. spices of hers of you know to flavor it so we were always hungry when we sat to eat together as a family so yeah yam nice Kamara and I have been talking about this every time we ask someone about food and yams and yuca we're like oh we need to come up with a cookbook because we just keep hearing new varieties oh why not why not stuff like that that's wonderful i would love to get one of that i'd love to get a cookbook we will let you know first mercy we will let you know first definitely (laughs) so can you please tell us mercy a little bit more about your journey your life and your career ah it's it's um it's got loads of tons and so um i guess i can start with my life you know my early life i was born and raised in uganda uh, my father was brutally murdered when my siblings and I were very young. So my mom decided to take us to uh, boarding school. Mm. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I, I suppose which gave her time to work on to work to do some work and also to get a break from all of us. Yeah, I became quite independent at a young age, and I lived on campus during my university studies. I joined a national band. It's a jazz band as part of my university studies, but we did a lot of touring with the company. So it was national and international as well. And my experience with the UK summer festivals, which we came to, for instance, the Walmart Festival, made me decide that I would return and pursue my studies and passion for the arts here in the UK because I loved it. It was summer, it was vibrant and it was, you know, Mm. it was something. So, (laughs) So I started to pursue my dreams. When I got here in England, uh, going for auditions and engaging in community performances and stuff, performing arts. But um, I soon had a baby and that was a stop. It became a stopgap in my life. So I guess that was a turning point of my role and contribution in Mm. this world. I suddenly became a mother. I was alone and I was away from my family and familiarities in a foreign land, and it was a cold country. It was different from the summer months that we'd come to perform Mm -hmm. at, (laughs) you know. So (laughs) I had to reprogram and reposition myself in order to make it. And during that time, uh, when my son was about a year and a bit, my mother died. So I never even buried her because she died when she was in Uganda. And I last spoke with her on the phone when I was on the maternity ward in here in London. So that was a dark moment for me. Wow. So I decided to retrain in administration, management and accounting. But I, I, I kept my eye on the ball and I kept doing stuff in the arts as a practitioner, teaching traditional dance and drumming in the communities. And I also did a, a, a BA in film and video production because mm-hmm. I had stories to tell. And I want to tell them. So mm. <laughs> watch the space. I'm not done yeah. with that yet. So, <laughs> so I, you know, when I look at my career, my key career moments, obviously, Kamara has gone through that uh, with my biography, which was introduced. But I did a lot of agency work in administration during my further studies. 
because I had a child and, um, you know, work was, you know, my lifestyle was quite haphazard. So, but the agency work really kept me going. And so it gave me an opportunity to actually get into, uh, get insights from many different, organ, you know, places of work. So I worked with the local authority. I worked in housing. I worked for architects. And then I entered the arts again when I joined Apples and Snakes as a manager. That's the performance poetry organization. I learned a lot from Jerry, Jerry Collins, who was my first boss there. She was the admin director at the time. And I learned a lot of the leadership skills that I needed in the arts. I took a break after five years working with them and I went back to Uganda for a year. I wanted to ground my son in mm. his roots, his culture. So that I think it's very important for identity and knowing mm. who you are. And it also keeps, you know, helps, it helps with somebody being authentic. So, and uh, my son is ever so grateful about that. Mm-hmm. He says that it was the best two years of his life that he's ever had, even though they were the hardest. I mean, you know, I left him there after a year and, you know, he came back after he's done his, he did his GCSEs. Mm. But while I was there, I also set up a charity to enable people and communities to live better lives. So that's still running. And I still have a thread of that in the new organization that I set up, Kalma Arts. So it's called Kalma Foundation. Mm-hmm. So when I got back to England, I worked as operations manager with Arts Council England, creative partnerships, working with around 800 schools in Kent. Uh, I decided to get back to London. And then I got a job with ADAD, the Association of Dance of the African Diaspora. That organization is uh, was set up to raise profiles of artists and art forms in Dance of the African Diaspora. So I worked there to raise the awareness of practices. And I guess uh, I've been pretty much doing that since um, working on strategic programs and organizations, uh, I'm sorry, um, programs and initiatives like Regenerations, Trailblazers, Bloom. And my role started as a director steering the organization with, with this new status as a national portfolio organization with the Arts Council. Uh, and then we entered into a merger with three other organizations, which are Dance UK, Youth Dance England, and National Dance Teachers Association. That's when we became One Dance UK, a sector support organization for dancing in the UK. And um, I'm still working there, although I'm on a, you know, I'm a consultant there, freelance. And so last year, in August, I set up Kalma Arts which is all about connecting communities and networks, working with organizations and individuals with roots in Africa, raising the profile of the African arts globally. And I love it because it it, it keeps me grounded. It keeps me in the passion, you know, working with the passion that I've always wanted. I, I have loads of networks, loads of connections, and that brings everything in one place mm-hmm. yeah it sounds mm. very exciting thank you sounds very exciting indeed and you mentioned uh you mentioned a, a turning point or there might be a few but was there a specific turning point that changed the way you identified yourself in the world yeah I guess that was the turning point in terms of when I got uh I had my baby because mm. I always saw myself in the arts you know in front of and behind the scenes because, you know, I, 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 
acted, I performed in different on stage and also on screen, but I was also comfortable being behind the scenes. And that's what I pretty much am doing. So what changed at that time when I had the baby, I realized that actually I can I can nurture and I realized some of the skills that I had which would be more beneficial instead of being an actor or an actress or or uh, you know fully working as a as a as an artist I also saw something that I can give to the world or or the people who I can nurture say a mother kind of like being a mother or kind of holding holding and enabling them so I enjoy mm-hmm. enabling more than actually achieving for myself because I see when other people are enabled and they achieve I see myself in that achievement and that's what makes me proud mm-hmm. it's it's very positive thank you yeah that is. so just circling back to you having that inspiration when you were younger and touring and wanting from there to come to the UK and explore a career in the arts. Yeah. What do you wish you knew about the UK before you moved here? Obviously you weren't ready for the weather, but <laughs> what, what else did you wish you knew? I wish I knew about the weather because there were things which were, what I can say, uh, you know, when we were studying uh, back in Uganda, they used to say in the winter, the days in the winter the days the nights are longer than the days and then in the summer the days are longer than the winter and I just Mm -hmm. didn't know what that means now I know (laughs) it's kind of like people messing around with the clock and turning them back and forth (laughs) and the sunset coming down and today and um you know but really going back to your question of you know what I wish I knew about the UK I'm not sure really because for me I love discovering and learning always Mm. So the UK I first encountered is not the same as the UK now. What do you mean by that? You know, it's it's it, it, it didn't have the buildings, it didn't have the same technology, it didn't have mm. so it, it is ever it is ever evolving. So whether you know things in advance or or or, or what is it, you know what you want to know, you can never be prepared. And so mm. what is what what is inevitable is change. So, you know, it's the change that's always there. So I don't think there was anything I really wanted to know or what I can say before. I was very fortunate to have had a good education where we learnt about the world in general. And we learnt a lot about the world. <laughs> in fact, <laughs> I can actually reverse this question and say that I wish I knew more about Uganda and Africa in general before moving to the mm. UK. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Mm. So what did you learn about Uganda later later on in life after you after you left home? Uganda is beautiful. I mean, I knew that Uganda was beautiful, but obviously when you're in a in a country, you you kind of say, okay, yeah, it's a beautiful country, we've got grasslands, we've got everything. But when you go somewhere else, you kind of get a different gaze. Mm-hmm. You know. I suppose it's to do with comparison or anything like that because I can see I can see a lot of potential I can see a lot of quality I can see a lot of natural natural beauty and natural talent and I can see authenticity I can see love and you know there's so many things that I miss about Uganda that if I didn't probably didn't come to the UK I would not have seen those 
And, you know, sometimes, you, you know, we always long to go back and say, okay. But then when you go back, the Uganda you left is not the same as what you, you're going to. Yeah, and that true. also keeps you into a, a, a funny mode. And that's, that's what takes me back to saying that I think it's better to, to, to look at myself as a, a multi-local than a multinational person because you know wherever I go there's something different and when you go back to it it's like oh it's changed again so I can't actually fit in as such so yeah mm-hmm. hmm. that makes sense I have the same feeling every time I go home mm. to the state I, I, it's never the same and I appreciate new things what yeah. about you Kamara yeah absolutely how you go back and I guess you might have an, a romantic memory of it and it's, it, it's <laughs> exactly. It's not the same, and sometimes you do feel like you're you're not from there, except you are yeah, from like a there. Stranger. It's, it's, <laughs> exactly. it's, it is, yeah, like a stranger. Exactly. It's weird. Yeah. Some yeah. things are familiar, but they're but they're different. They are. So, so Definitely. I understand. Yeah, yeah. I completely understand. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna be jumping all over the all over the place yeah. um, with this one, but you are now the founder and director of your own. Um, organization Kalma Arts. Mm-hmm. In general, what made you want to work within the creative industries across so many different art forms? Because you've you've run the gamut: poetry, music, <laughs> theater. Yeah. What made you want to do so many different work with so many art forms? I guess that's me. I've always been a fan of the arts or, or different arts from a very young age. And I think just um, a little story would probably explain because my sisters and I would always beg my mother to allow us to entertain her guests and we would curate a concert there and then and always take <laughs> over the space, you know. <laughs> so that's how, you know, we were we were kind of like the arts and the different art forms, you know, are, are, have always been within my DNA, I suppose, you know. So I feel at home in the arts. Hmm. Yeah, that's great that it started so young uh, that you, you found that natural, natural passion and talent there. Yeah. So who would you say, uh, Mercy, or who or what is your biggest inspiration? Oh, I've got many. Uh, who is my biggest inspiration? I would start with my mother because mm-hmm. I saw resilience and creativity in how she raised us, you know. And in addition to us as many, you know, by herself, we also had a mm-hmm. large extended family, you know, the whole village. And every time would probably kind of mm, actually have a bit of concern about how many people would come home and stay at home and, <laughs> you know. But she was calm and she was very well loved by a lot of people. So I guess I took that from her because I was inspired by how much she achieved even by herself. And then I, I also has, um, have my auntie. We call her Auntie Lillian, but she died a few years back, actually. But she was always trendy and she loved us and my mom. And and she loved us very dearly. Um, she was well to do and travelled a lot. Mm. And her signature thing was always a red lipstick. She'll never forget that to get outside. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, you know, whatever whatever it was. And she had this lovely laugh. But you know, the lipstick and the laugh, it all worked very well. And it was magic to me. You know, as a young person, I'd always look at her in admiration and stuff. And um, the other person was Oprah for what she has achieved and how she has achieved it 
being authentic and being herself. And mm. the other person is Bosoma St. John. I just love her yeah. energy. <laughs> it feeds yeah. me. You know, Bosoma St. John, for those who don't know, is, an, is, a, is a businesswoman. I think she's from Ghanaian and Nigerian heritage. Um, she's American and marketing executive of, uh, I mean, she's a current chief marketing officer of Endeavor, an entertainment organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, every time I listen to her, every time I just just see her, you know, just seeing her, I just, she, she, she oozes energy and, you know, it's just her. She's her. Yeah. She's a force. She's a force. And she's my inspiration at the moment. Lovely. Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, we have that shared feeling with Bazoma. I know we've talked about her quite a bit. Yeah. And we wanted to bring her to speak, didn't we? Yes, and she's one of our um she's one of our dream guests for the show, in fact. So we're gonna speak it into the existence, into the ether now. She's gonna be on this show. Oh, let it Absolutely. be. Absolutely. Oh, yes. bring it on, bring it on. <laughs> yes. She sounds like one of those people that she's your best friend, but she just doesn't know it yet. So exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll let her know of her new role when when we when we have her into interview. <laughs> Don't forget to tell her that I do also get inspiration from her. <laughs> oh, we won't. Forget. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I have to I'll meet give you a shout out, Mercy. Definitely. Don't worry. I'll give you a shout out. <laughs> shout out for sure. <laughs> Moving on now to talking from your inspirations to your achievements. Mm. What are some of your proudest personal or professional achievements that you've had thus far? Some, you know, sometimes it's hard when somebody asks you to do that because you never remember some of them and Mm. then you remember them at a certain time and then you just keep it at the back of your mind and say oh okay that's fine I'll try and maybe pull out a few uh but my proudest personal achievement is uh, you know I have kept my identity and I have not compromised Mm. my authenticity so I feel that I'm me and I'm happy and at peace as a person so very few things faze me I think I'm resilient and I'm proud of having raised a son and also taking on the responsibility mm-hmm. to look after my siblings. And I have kept them close. And I feel that I, I have nearly everything I wished for on a personal level. Like, you know, on a professional level, I think combining a career in management and then the arts um, have always been my professional wish. So I relate locally, nationally and internationally and I'm trusted and I have a wide network and circle of influence I'm on several boards as uh, my profile you know as you heard from my my profile and the other one which is in between personal and professional actually I'm proud of having shared uh, a set like a film set with Kerry Washington oh wow what's the other guy uh Forrest Whitaker and James McAvoy, that was um, during the last King of Scotland when they were filming. And I kind of was chatting to um, Kerry because, you know, before she, she got into her, her, you know, her part, we had to talk and have conversations. So she, it was as if she was my friend or relative. And so we started chatting, chatting before, you know, the scene came, came you know, they kind of started filming, filming the scene. But one of the funny things that happened there... I, at the time, it was in 2005, I had just gone to Uganda. That's when I went to Uganda for a career break. And I hadn't seen 
what's the film that Ray she acted as the mm-hmm. wife I think of mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and uh, I kept asking oh who are you what's your name said and she said oh I'm Kerry but she kept her she was method acting so she didn't want to lose her accent mm-hmm. <laughs> so I kept asking her and then I broke her out of the uh, method acting but that's for another time it was it was quite a funny moment anyway yeah <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Oh, I love the first name basis. You know, I'm telling you. <laughs> I guess, I guess, when you don't know, um, you just yeah. feel comfortable and you, you just do what you have to do. You know, first name basis, and you don't even know who you're talking to. So that was good. That was great. Nice. Yeah. And do you have a personal or professional mantra that sort of pushes you along as you go through your life and career? And how has that evolved over time? Uh, I wouldn't say I have a personal or professional mantra, but I know that what keeps me going is staying true to myself and being me. Mm. That's what keeps me going. Yeah, well, that's important to, to be able to do that. So with that in mind, how do you stay motivated to continue to pursue your goals, especially on those days or in those moments where you may not want to? Ha <laughs> I smile from the inside and then mm-hmm. I let it out and smile from the outside. I think that's yeah. always magic to get one ready to face anything that comes their way. That's how I deal mm-hmm. with it. Yeah, that's, that's a, a good strategy. And also thinking of, along those lines then, if you have those moments uh, where you may not want to continue or, or things like that or you have faced challenges, how are you gracious or patient with yourself? Well, I know that I'm blessed, uh, you know, I'm blessed mm-hmm. and I try to take things on face value. So each day is a new day for me and a chance to begin again. So that's really important for me in terms of keeping my grace and being patient with myself as well. You know, you have to forgive yourself to start afresh in order to move forward. You forgive yourself for anything that you would you'd have done knowingly or not knowingly or anything that would come your way. You brush it off. You fall back and you get up again. That's very good advice. That's good. Mercy, what can you tell us that you've learned about yourself as an artist and creative over the years? As an artist, I I think whatever I do, I do things from the heart. I have to feel what I do in order to do it. I can't just do anything if I don't feel it, if I don't get that gut in me, I I don't, I decide not to do it. And also, I think I'm a very patient person. I start with giving people 100% and then I start knocking down the percentages. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So finally, well, not finally, but what advice would you give to anyone that wants to pursue a career in any creative industry and also if they want to become a leader in that industry? Mm. They've got to believe in themselves and never doubt yourself, you know, regardless of anybody, what anybody says, because you are you and you can become you if you believe in yourself. I'd say on a practical side, make a plan, a daily plan of the things you want to achieve or do. 
And mm. even if you don't do anything on that list, at least it shows you how far you have derailed from the course. And that will give you an idea of how much effort you need to apply to get back to your goal. So actually, the journey is always sometimes, you know, something to learn from too. So you've got to embrace it and don't forget to move on. That's the one thing, though. You can't forget to move on. You have to move on, but embrace the journey. I like that. Embrace the journey. Mm. So I do have another question for you, Mercy. What does success mean to you? Oh, that was a question I'm still asking myself, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Success is many things. Success is not looking back with regret. Success can be molded into so many different things, even if it means getting up in the morning and brushing your teeth and dressing up and kind of uh, looking in the mirror and smiling. That is success for the day. You've done something. So I feel that although a lot of people say that success is you have to be you're having a million dollars, a car, a great, you know, wearing a Rolex and stuff, you know, that's success to them. But for me, success is those small things that propel you to become who you become and be at peace with you and yourself. Yeah. So given all those things now, do you feel that and your incredible journey, everything that you have experienced and learned and are involved with, mm. have been involved with over the years. Do you feel that you you know what your purpose is? Yes. I do know what my purpose is, but I think um, it changes every time you grow up, every time you become a different being. You know, my purpose was a mother at one time. My purpose was to lead or nurture, you know, kind of people on an artistic journey My purpose was to look after a family. And now it's a different thing altogether, but you have to be able to listen out there and know, you know, kind of calm yourself, meditate and think about, okay, what's my purpose moving forward? What's my purpose? And particularly now when there's this whole pandemic and then, you know, the Black Lives Matter, there's so much going on. I mean, we're almost having a triple crisis in terms of, health in terms of race and also economy economic status mm-hmm. uh in fact i just uh, got off a phone with my friend who said that um their center is closing and so she doesn't know what to do they're closing for a few months so you just have to listen out there and kind of learn or listen out to that small voice and you know if you call it god if you call it you know whatever it is the universe to get you to where you should be and know what your purpose is. If you don't know what it is, you know, I think I think we have many purposes in life. So we, I think we're made up of very little, you know, we have little projects that we have to achieve every time uh, throughout our journey of this world. That's how I see it. Anyway. Yeah, thank you for that. Well, hopefully our listeners will be sure to listen out for that voice and find <laughs> <your> purpose. <laughs> yeah. We have a surprise question for you, actually, that oh. we didn't give you beforehand. Okay. Yes, so so you can do it, Mercy. Which do you prefer, yams or yuca, and how do you like them cooked? Oh, I told you already, yams. I love it the way my grandmother used to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy. It's the purple yam, actually. It's not the cream one. The cream I find quite... I mean, the purple is bland as well, actually. Mm-hmm. But it has a certain taste, which is is a bland bland, but it's a different bland. 
If you know what I mean. Mercy, have you had the Korean purple yams? I wonder if they're the same. Because those purple yams have a natural, like, sweetness to them that I can eat those by themselves. Uh, yeah, you can eat them by yourself, like bread. Yeah. I think it's yeah. it's the same. It's the same. I don't know. Maybe one day we'll go to a restaurant and have a taste, you see? Yeah, there is. I know there's a market here that has them because I was trying to get some. I was actually trying to get some from Holly. You know, yeah. her partner, her husband is Korean and she would go to the market and I was like, there are these yams, these purple yams. I've tasted them before and I've never been able to find them anywhere else. Yeah. And like, yeah, I'll get you some. And I never got them, but I, I, I they have a very distinct taste. And they, yes. they're like royal purple. It's it's like a color that you wouldn't imagine seeing in a, in a, in food. a food. Yeah, yeah, in a food at all. It might be the same one because we do have um, similarities. I mean, particularly in East Africa, we do share quite a few Asiatic things mm. like chapati, like Indian as well as Asiatic foods, but mainly Indian food, actually. But we'll find out. I'll let you know. You let me know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we can compare notes. Yeah. There'll be a whole different chapter talking about purple yam. Yes. I like it. It actually sounds like a cookbook. Purple yam. You're right, actually. <laughs> I'm not sure we're gonna give you any commission for that, Mercy, but we'll take it. <laughs> well I I thought I thought I should pitch. <laughs> <laughs> You always gotta you always gotta be uh, working in this industry, always thinking about the next creative idea. <laughs> yes indeed. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mercy, so much for sharing your journey and sharing your insight. I've learned much more about you more than I thought that I knew. So this is a pleasure for me. Oh, thank and you. I'm sure our listeners will enjoy this too. So we're looking forward to sharing this this with our listeners. Well, I look forward yes, to absolutely. hearing it. so thank you so much thank you we're actually going to take a break now to digest everything Mercy has shared with us and when we come back it will be time to indulge in our sweet and savoury moments Mm. right back sweet and savory desserts we're going to recap those moments in the conversation that give us a sweet sugar rush or others that are more rich and fulfilling for our meal with mercy my sweet moment was definitely when she spoke about coming to england or moving to england and the weather was freezing cold because she'd only been here previously in the summertime and for anyone (laughs) who has been to london winter is not not fun and that and that she finally understood she finally understood the meaning of the nights being longer than the days yeah that took me some time to figure out as well (laughs) yes (laughs) uh what about for you heather my sweet moment was when she was talking about meeting kerry washington and not knowing who she was oh right yes i was like i mean that's incredible to just in general to meet like a celebrity I mean, I've heard of people having those experiences where they just, they didn't even realize who they were talking to. Me, obviously, I would recognize Kerry Washington in a heartbeat. Right. Yeah, that just, that made me laugh a bit when she was having a whole conversation and got her to break out of character. That was fun. 
Yeah, that was good. You know, when you hear moments like that, it's just nice that the artist yeah. is not, you know, like have full attitude thinking, yeah. don't you know yeah. who I am? Yeah. And what about your savory moment? For me, my savory moment was when she said, she was talking about how she's gracious with herself and, you know, what she does when she's not as motivated. Um, and she said that she smiles from the inside and then lets it come to the outside. That really hit home for me. I think sometimes we don't always know, you know, you have the usual ways to be gracious with yourself, do a bit of self-care and, you know, take a bath or light a candle, do some journaling. But that sounds like something that smiling is, I guess, something that we, or at least I know I take for granted. Mm-hmm. And I don't really think about how just even changing your face and trying to smile on the inside or find that light on the inside can really change how you feel and look on the outside. So yeah, that was really special for me. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. That was nice. Uh, it's a nice thought. My savory moment was when she said to believe in yourself and to never doubt yourself. Things that mm-hmm. you know we know, but you need to hear it again and Mm -hmm. again just to be reminded in those moments that you might uh, find challenging or where you might doubt yourself to uh, to not do that so that was my savory moment well that's it for today we'd like to thank you all for listening and joining us at the table please let us know your sweet and savory moments using the hashtag yams and yuka that's right. Don't forget to tag us at Yams and Yuka on Twitter and at Yams and Yuka Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We want to know your thoughts on today's topics and your takeaways from Mercy's story. We will chat with you guys next time. Bye. Bye.